All right, could we stand together in honor of God's word? Acts chapter 1, verse 3. After his suffering, that's Jesus, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. So Jesus is speaking about the kingdom. Then he tells them about the Holy Spirit coming. And here we are, the very last verses of the book of Acts. Acts 28, 30 through 31. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for what you have to speak. God, there is something here for every single heart. Holy Spirit, come. Hide me behind the cross and help us to respond to what you're saying today. We love you and we praise you and we'll give you the glory for every good thing that happens. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. So the book ends of the book of Acts is the kingdom of God. So the title of today, and this is the last message in Acts, the series has been called The Holy Spirit in You. This is the last message, and it's called The Growing Kingdom. Point one is without hindrance. Paul is hindered, but the kingdom of God isn't. Paul is actually, it's hard to tell where Paul is. Paul is in prison. This is how Roman prisons work. You paid your own way. He's waiting for trial. He's got a Roman guard there 24-7. He can never leave the house, and he has to pay for that house. But Paul is hindered. Paul's life is hindered. But Luke's observation, Luke is the author of Acts, is that even though Paul is hindered, he's, he makes this comment, the kingdom of God wasn't. Paul is preaching and people are coming to him and the kingdom of God is unhindered. Paul shares this truth in Philippians 4, 2, 12, and, or 4, 12 and 13. He says, and he actually writes Philippians from prison. He says, I know how to have a lot and I know how to have little. I know to have my stomach filled. I know how to go hungry. But whatever my circumstance, I've learned the secret of being content. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That even though Paul's life was hindered, he did not, this is not how he thought it was going to go. This isn't how he prayed it would go. But this is, this is what life's given him. But he finds Jesus in the midst of this and continues to be a witness, unhindered, for the gospel. So last time... We did Acts 20, it was on leadership, it was on him giving his last words to Ephesus, and he said, I'm on the way to Jerusalem, the Holy Spirit has said, it's going to be really hard. So he gets to Jerusalem, 
chapter 21, and sure enough, he gets arrested. He's brought before this uh, Roman, to this Roman tribunal, and the, the Sanhedrin, the Jewish Sanhedrin, which is the leadership of, of 70, there's Pharisees and, and Sadducees make this up. They are all there. They're all bringing this case about Paul. They, they want his head, and Paul on trial says this. He says, I am on trial for the hope of the resurrection. Well, Paul knew exactly what this was going to do because the Pharisees believe in resurrection and the Sadducees don't and they, they, are, they have this... Uh, and so they, and the Pharisees stand up and say, maybe this guy isn't so bad. And anyway, there's this huge... And nothing, gets, uh, nothing happens at this first tribunal. So he has... The tribunal sends him to Felix. He sends him to Caesarea, which is the kind of the, the Roman city in Israel. And Felix is the governor of uh, Caesarea. And he comes to Felix and, and Felix says, listen, if you want me to try your case, we need to go back to Jerusalem and we, we can have it there. And of course, were tr- they were trying to kill him. They, they've got strategies against him. Paul instead appeals to Rome. And so um, he says, all right, if you're going to appeal to Rome, to Rome, you're going to go. Felix uh, leaves him in prison for the two years that he's waiting uh, to, to please the Jews. And then Felix goes out of office, and, and the guy that replaces him is named Festus. And Festus, what am I going to do with Paul? He's supposed to go to Rome, uh, but I don't even know exactly what we would say to Rome. And so King Agrippa comes and visits, and he says, would you help me? We've got to write up something about Paul to Rome. And so he's brought before Agrippa, and uh, we have another, we have a trial, and Paul tells his story again. He gives the witness again, and, and then he is sent to Rome. Isn't Paul called to be a missionary? Isn't he called to plant churches and then strengthen churches? Certainly this is of the enemy. The enemy's got him and, and he's off track and, and certainly this, was, this is not supposed to be what Paul's doing and he's being hindered by the devil. Well, Look at Luke chapter 12, 11 and 12. When you are brought before synagogues, rulers and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. So this is just part of it. See, if Paul was promised peace and comfort and ease, and then if you serve Jesus, you're going to have this really easy life. And if that was his goal, that his goal was to just have the best life now, and I just want to, then he is way off track here. But Paul's goal is to be a witness wherever he is. Paul, Paul is unhindered by what life does to him and what circumstances do to him and what the enemy is trying to do to him. Paul is God's witness wherever he goes. So they send him to Rome. And once again, 
it must be the enemy trying to kill Paul. There's this horrible storm at sea, and, and um, they end up having to float on boards to get to this island uh, named Malta, and they're there for three months. Certainly, this is a distraction to God's plan. Well, let me tell you what happens on Malta. Paul gets bit by a snake. They all think he's going to die, uh, and it, he's fine, and they're... God gives him favor with the chief, and the, the, the chief's dad is sick to the point of death. Paul goes in and prays for him, and then the whole island finds out about this, and everybody brings their sick, and God heals everybody that comes to Paul. Everybody gets healed. He's there for three months. By the time they leave, they are heroes there. They are, they're helping them go, and they celebrate them on their way out. What if your life is about something more than just you. What if God has got a bigger, a bigger plan for you? You know, I think of Paul and I think of the enemy. We're shutting him down. He's been going city to city and city and he's healing and he's speaking and people are getting saved and, and we finally got him, shut him down. We finally got him in prison. And what does Paul do in prison? He writes the New Testament. He's still witnessing to us, isn't he? Paul witnesses to us all the time. What if God's got a bigger plan for your life than you think? Let me, let me show you one of my favorite verses in the Bible. This is Proverbs 16.9. In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. So God, God says to all of us, <laughs> go ahead and make plans. Make plans. Have goals. Um, aim for stuff. Pray towards stuff. But most of the time... I would say all of the time, it doesn't go the way you thought it would. And so maybe you're here today and you do not have the marriage you thought you signed up for. You thought it was going to be easy and happy and, and it's something other than that. Maybe you don't even have a marriage. Maybe it ended in divorce. Maybe you don't have the kids you thought you'd have. Maybe you thought your kids are going to just be these wonderful, amazing children and, and they would all follow you and love you and, and maybe things are different. Maybe, maybe you started a business and, and you were praying that this was going to be great and awesome and you were going to make your mark and it went bankrupt and and so life has beat you up in different ways and you now have a choice. You can either pine over what you thought would happen, what you hoped would happen, what you prayed would happen, or you can embrace Jesus in the midst of the life you actually have and say, Lord, how can you use this life? What if you had a message that you wanted to give through your life? And what if God said, hmm, that's interesting. That would be an interesting message. Thanks for your suggestion. <laughs> Have you noticed that most of our prayers are actually suggestions to God? <laughs> God, I'm sure you don't know what I'm going through, but it would be real nice if you did X, Y, and Z. And God's like, okay, I'll take that under advisement. God's got bigger plans. And he's got a message through your life and through my life that may be a little different than the one we planned. But, but to get on it, you have to cling, not to your plans, but you have to cling to God. You, you have to be willing to get back up 
And you have to say, Jesus, I'm hindered. My life is hindered. I am not where I wanted to be. But I want you to be unhindered in me and through me. And I'll tell you what, Jesus is going to answer that prayer every single time. That's point one, without hindrance. Here's point two, the invisible kingdom. Luke chapter 17, 20 and 21. Once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the kingdom, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. So the Old Testament prophets prophesied a very visible kingdom. The Messiah was going to rule the world. Every other kingdom would be blown away like dust and the knowledge of the Lord would fill the whole world and the curse would come off creation and it would be beautiful and it would be awesome and it would be very, very observable. And so that's what they believe for Messiah. Messiah is going to bring the kingdom of God and we're all gonna know it and it's gonna be amazing and Israel will be at the head of the nations and Jesus says to the leaders, it's not coming the way you think it is right now. The kingdom is here, but it's coming in a very different way. It's not coming outwardly. It's coming in hearts. It's coming in people's hearts. It's not just the Pharisees. All of Israel is waiting for this. The disciples certainly are. When Jesus says, not many days from now, you're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. This is in Acts chapter 1. The first thing they say, is this the time you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Is this the time we've all been waiting for? And here's what Jesus says. It's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father will set by his own authority. But here's what, I got, here's what you guys are going to do now. I need you to go wait until you receive power, and then you're going to be my witnesses, starting in Jerusalem, and then Judea, and yes, Samaria, and the, the other most parts of the earth. That's the plan for now. So the book of Acts, we see it start and we have this phrase all the way through. No matter what's happening, we end up with this phrase. In Acts chapter 6, there's trouble in the church and there's a division in the church because some of the widows are not being treated the same way and it's kind of a race thing in their time and, and, and the disciples come about with a solution. And, but here's the conclusion of it. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and the number of priests Became, a number of priests became obedient to the faith. And then in Acts chapter 12, we have uh, Herod Agrippa killing James, the James that's pictured in the video there. And uh, it's, it's not Agrippa, it's, it's one of the Herods. Anyway, kill, kills James, there's persecution on the church, and then that Herod dies in an act of judgment. But here's the conclusion of it all, Acts 12, 24. But the word of God continued to spread and flourish. Acts chapter 19, we covered this a couple weeks ago. There were seven sons of Sceva, they're Jewish exorcists, they're trying to use Jesus' name as kind of like a magic word, and, and, and these demons show the power of Satan by beating them up, and it causes this great controversy, and sure enough, in the midst of all of that, God turns it around to honor Jesus, and then there's this comment. Verse 20, in this way, the word of the Lord spread widely 
and grew in power. The kingdom of God grows in human hearts. It grows in us, and then it grows through us. It is this invisible kingdom. Jesus gives three straight parables in in Mark and in Luke where it's the kingdom is about a sower sowing seeds. And and then and then and the second one is he it's like the farmer he sows seeds and then he goes to bed and at night while he's sleeping the seed grows all by itself no one knows how it's 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 miraculous and then the, the third one he says the kingdom of god is like a mustard seed it's planted and it starts out as the smallest little seed if you've ever seen a mustard seed you can barely even see them but when it grows up it becomes a tree in the largest tree in the garden and and the garden has to move over this is this is how the kingdom of God is through the word of God it is advancing it is multiplying so my question for you today is is the kingdom of God growing in you mark 4:14 the farmer sows the word some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown as soon as they hear it satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, Hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, and some 100 times what was sown. So here's what we learn. It is very easy to get saved. Only because Jesus did all the hard work. Jesus cost Jesus his life. The price has been paid. God loves you. Jesus, the the gospel is very generous and God invites everybody to come and receive freely uh, his gift of salvation. Very easy to get saved. But Jesus said for human beings, it's gonna be very hard for them to stay saved. He said "There's, there's one group, there's a fourth that they will hear the word and maybe be just about ready to respond and the enemy will just remind them of how hungry they are for lunch and are we going to go to Red Robin or Denny's and, I, you know, I'm, and, 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 and so the word doesn't even get in. They don't even make that response. And then there's a, there's a second group, another fourth, that they are going to respond and they're going to respond with joy and they're going to be all in and they're going to be I'm in and they're going to get baptized and they're going to be excited and then they're going to fall away. Because they didn't sign up for persecution. They didn't know, oh boy, somebody doesn't like me anymore. My mom isn't happy. Grandma's not happy. Uh, My people in my class don't like me anymore. Uh, I didn't sign up for that. And he said they're going to fall away. And then there's another group. They're going to believe and they're going to actually be part of the church and they're going to be in. and, And then over time, they're just going to The kingdom of God's supposed to be like this mustard seed that's growing and growing and growing and getting bigger and bigger. But for some people, it's going to grow, grow, and then all of a sudden get choked, 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 choked until it's gone. And Jesus said, and then there's this this one other group that the kingdom of God will do exactly what it's supposed to do. 
And the word of God will multiply all by itself. And it will take over the life. It will become the most important thing in someone's life. Is the kingdom of God growing in you? So I had a woman come to me a couple of weeks ago. She was so wonderful. She, she said, I've been, we've been coming for about two years to, to City Church. We just love it. She said, we're in and out, but, but every time I come, I cry. Every time I come, I just, I just feel God, and I, I'm so happy I was there. And, and she said, but then she described tremendous darkness that she lives with every single week. She had been trying to set this appointment up for two years. And she said, Pastor Tom, how do you win during the week? I love City Church, but I'm losing in Christianity. And I went and grabbed her uh, my devotional, and I said, uh, I said, I have a gift for you. I want to give this to you. I said, now, a couple of things. In this devotional is every, every secret I, have, I had that I've given. They're, they're all in here. They're, this is 12 years of pastoral ministry. I, I now have 360. So, so here it is. This has got every secret that, that I have. I said, but the greatest secret of winning during the week is in the format which is every day. Difficult thing about Christianity is not being a Christian. It's continuing to be a Christian, to do it every day. Get up every day and do it. So let me tell you about my day. I never interview myself in the morning as to how do I feel today? Or did I have a good day yesterday? And was I, was I a good Christian? And am I good enough? No, I, there's no, there's no interview with myself. Every, every morning I wake up, I am a greatly loved son and a favored son of God because Jesus gave that to me. Every day, every day I wake up, I never approach my quiet time like hesitant or, you know, maybe, I, maybe I don't, I'm not worthy. No, no, this isn't about me. This is about what Jesus did for me. I'm taking my place. I'm taking my place every day. And then I get out my one-year Bible and I read that. And then I, I do, I've got several different devotionals, including my own. And just, I just get reminded of what is true. And I'm making, what am I doing? The word of God is amazing. It will grow. Just make a place for it to grow. It grows all by itself. You rest, rest in your identity, rest in who Jesus made you, but then you got to do it every day. You got to be a Christian every day. If you do it every day, you're going to win. So I've, I've had this planned for a while. So we, I had these boxes of one-year Bibles ordered. I got a hundred of my devotionals ordered and they're out on the table and $10 a piece and, um, and I just wanted to encourage people, whatever happened in 2021, get one of these for 2022 and, and get, use them as Christmas presents, whatever, $10 a piece. And um, uh, they were gone in like 10 minutes, Mary Jo said. They were all gone, but I had a second group of devotions for the second service, so there's still a few out there. All the one-year Bibles are gone. Um, sorry about that. Uh, however... We've already, Sarah's already working on this. Thursday, in our update, you will be able to click and you can order on Amazon a one-year Bible or a devotional, and they're $10, I think. Um, 
Make a plan to win. Make a plan that you, that the word of God is going to grow in you, that you're going to be one of those 30, 60, and 100 fold. So let, let, let's, let's unpack why so many people fall away. Um, look at, here's one of my favorite verses. This is John 15, 7. This is a life verse for me. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. So abide is from the, the word that's used in chapter 14 as abode. It's, it means home. The Father and the Son are going to make their home in you. And so what Jesus is encouraging us to do is to make our home in his presence and to allow his word to make its home in us. This is, this is what Christianity is. It's making God your home and letting his word make itself at home in you. Here's the difficulty. We tend to bring our own idea and our own what we would like and how we would like it to God. And so some, um, they want Jesus to be a hotel that they, they live in in the weekends. I do whatever I want to all week long, and then I come to the hotel on Sunday. Praise God. And then we've got another group that Jesus is an apartment that they rent, and they've got a monthly lease. Why are we renting month by month? Because something better might come up. I'm keeping all my options open. Some, this is huge for Americans. I've got my own house but I built an addition for Jesus. Jesus lives, Jesus lives over there. And so God loves you guys. He loves all of us, but he will not change for you. He will change you, but he won't change for you. And so eventually it's not going to work. The hotel thing won't work. Eventually you'll stop being a follower. The apartment thing will not work. You'll, you'll find a different option at some point. The, even the addition on the house. God, I mean, God lets all of these go for a while. He, he honors our free will. We try to have it our way. We try to have it our way. It just doesn't work. Let me tell you a little about what, if you let Jesus' word be at home in you, and you just, I'm not going to fight it. I'm not going to try to rationalize anything. I'm just going to let the word of God expose me and change me. And uh, here's the home that he is going to build in you. First, it won't be an add-on to your current house. He's going to tear that one down and start over. Has anyone noticed how you get close to God and sometimes things get really, really hard? It's just like, oh my, we're, we're not going to use anything from my old life? Jesus is like, love you. Nope. <laughs> Starting over. I'm going to lay a foundation of my, my grace, my beauty, my power, my forgiveness. And the reason why I have to start over and build a bigger foundation is because Jesus built big. See, we don't need that big of a house if we're building because there's a lot of people we don't like. We, we don't want to have everybody over. We just want to have these people over. And they say, I like these people, maybe these people, this part of the family, that part. But Jesus likes everybody. He wants to have everybody over. 
We're building big. Really? Yeah. We're going to have lots of people over. Please, God, not these people. No, I I actually have a spot for your enemies. Yep. Yep, I want them. Everybody's going to be in this house. Oh, second thing about his house is it's filled with joy. Everybody wants to be in that house. Jesus said, John 15, 11, these things I've spoken to you. Here's why I've spoken them to you. So that my joy might be in you and that your joy might be full. Pastor Tom, I've been a Christian for a long time. I'm not filled with joy. Well, it's in the blueprint. <laughs> You're not done yet. We're, the real you, the, the best you is filled with joy. And it's coming. But you got to let him build. You got to let him build. And then this crazy thing. If you make me your home and you let your word be, my word be at home in you, what does that mean? That means my, if, if my word gets to make this its home, it gets to rip the carpet out, change the, take out a wall, change the paint. If, if my word, if you'll like my word, then you will ask whatever you wish and it will be done. What is that? What on earth does that mean? That means that when God is your home, that your desires become transformed. That you, you two become in union and his desires become your desires. And so there's this freedom that brings this tremendous joy, but it's, it's whatever you wish. Did you notice that? Not, not what God wishes, but what you wish. What does that mean? That means this. God doesn't have a cookie cutter house that we're all going to look the same. If we're, if we're all Christian, we're all going to look just like the pastor. Or we're all going to look like that. No, everybody's going to look different. God's, God's created you uniquely. And the, what he wants to say to this world through you is very unique. We're like parts of the body. We're all different. That's why we're not competing with each other. We're not jealous. We're celebrating each other. This thing is beautiful. And God's got a reason why he made you that is very unique. And when you two become one, that unique expression of God is going to be expressed. There is a, there's an unscriptural prayer that people pray. Here's the prayer. God, make me nothing and you be everything. Make me nothing, God. You be everything. Make me nothing. Doesn't that sound good? <clears throat> Here's the thing. If God, if God wanted you to be nothing, he, just didn't, he could have just not created you. <laughs> he already had. He already, he already was everything and you were, when you weren't created. So God created you to make you something. He created you. to. I don't want you to be nothing. I want you to be a beloved, favored child of God expressing my beauty and my kingdom through who I made you to be. That's the house he's building. Don't fight it. Get on board. Maybe 2021 was just an utter failure for you spiritually. 2021. All right, great. Let's get forgiven and let's start over in 2022. You can do this. You can do this. I'm not going to get up in the morning and beat myself up anymore. I'm going to get up and I'm going to be the beloved, favored child of God and I'm going to spend time with Jesus every day and his word is going to transform my life. Point three, we're almost done. Happy source. 
So, several scholars that I have read have got a very unique twist on the parable of the sower. A parable has one main point. And so, um, you can get lots of stuff out of parables, but there's one main point. And many scholars believe the main point of the parable of the sower is not about the three types of hearts, but it's about the, the one who sows. That the one who sows is not to be discouraged by the seeming lack of results. That those who sowed, they did, it, they did farming different back then. The person that sowed went first. Today, we plow first, and then we drop the seed in very carefully. They didn't do it that way. The sower went first, or, and, and it would just throw seed everywhere, and then the plow would come behind, and whichever seed went in, went in, and whatever seed was lost, was lost. But that wasn't the business of the one sowing. The business of the one sowing was to generously sow all of this seed. Just get it out there. Get it out there. Get it out there. And know that there's a plow coming behind you. And so... Don't give in to discouragement. It seems like you're, you, you sowed here and they're not responding and it seems like they, the, they, they were in for a while and they backslid and these are being choked out. And listen, it's none of your business. You don't know. You don't know if they're going to make it or not. You don't know. So we don't have to judge anybody. And we don't have to... Be rejected and be ready to be rejected. If I, if I do that, you know, are they going to do anything? Bad? There's no command that says make sure that everybody that, that treats you right. There, there's no command that says that. I've, ch- I've checked my Bible. Make sure you're properly honored. It's not in there. God's commands are all about you loving them, you honoring, you, you being generous. And so we need to be what I call happy source. We need to have our identity so secure in God. I'm loved, I'm favored, that now I'm free to, to sow. And whatever people's response is, it doesn't involve my identity. Now, this is especially true with teenagers. If you've ever ministered to a teenager, you've got to be very secure in who you are. Because it, you're not, the, teenagers are not going to come up to you, oh, that was so good, Pastor Tom, that was amazing, my life has changed. No, they're not going to, they're just... You know, whatever. It's, it's brutal. When I'm going to do a teen chapel here, I'm like, get, get ready. Get ready. Get, get safe in God. And then just, you know, whatever happens, happens. And I don't know what's happening. And it's not my responsibility. No, the Holy Spirit comes behind. Now, with children, it's a little different. I, I still need the same thing. Children are a delight to talk to, but you really don't know if anything's going through. Do they even understand what I'm saying? And so I had a, a, a chapel a couple weeks ago with the kids here. Loved it. Just loved being with the kids. And, and I, I was preaching something about the goodness of God and the need to taste the goodness of God and how man, oftentimes adults and authorities just want us to obey because they only see the outward and they don't really see what's going on. But God sees. God knows exactly what you're going through. And I told the story of, of this sixth grader getting getting reconnected to the goodness of God in just a beautiful way. And uh, so I'm sitting on the stage afterwards, and this, this girl comes up to me. She's, I would guess, fifth grade. I'm not great at guessing ages, but she comes up to me, and she says this. She says, Pastor Tom, 
you made me cry. She said, I've only been saved a couple days and I have been really mad at God. And today, you made me cry. And I gave her a hug and she walked away and, and I'm like, Jesus, you can take me to heaven right now. You never know how the Holy Spirit is touching those that go, come behind you. And what happens with that girl? Well, what, what if she goes home and she tells her mom what happened? And, and, and her friends, and, and all of a sudden, the one that grabbed a hold of a seed of the Holy Spirit's healing through the word of God, all of a sudden, now, now her story is touching other people. This is how the kingdom works. I've got a young man I have just delighted in working with. And uh, he, he gave me full permission to share his story. So a couple of years ago, um, he came up to my prayer line. We got together, came into my office, and he told me every dark thing that was going on in his life. And, and uh, we prayed together and cried together. And, and God did something amazing in him. And all of a sudden, he started just walking in the Spirit with joy. And this year, he, he's a, he goes to a local high school, and he was one of the star football players this year, and, um, and kind of just kind of got a following and kind of became popular and had, was on Facebook, and we were doing breakfast together, and he said, Pastor Tom, I, I wanna, I'm a senior. I want to do something for Jesus in this school. I said, all right, well, let's do this. I said, how about a Bible study? How about an early morning Bible study? I said, I'll help you. You, uh, you set up a, a, a day and we can do the first one at your house and I'll, I'll buy the breakfast and, and, and we'll, we'll do. he said, all right. He said, he said, it's gonna be mainly the leaders in the first one, but I don't know where, I don't know where anyone is. So I need you to just share the gospel so that I know everybody's saved. And so, so we did that. We had the breakfast meeting first and then, he, they just started this 6.30 in the morning Bible study. Whoever wants to come can come. It's at a house that's right next to the high school. And uh, a couple weeks go past and he comes up to me and he says, Pastor Tom, he said, this is the group the first, the first week. And it was about 15 people. And he said, now here's the group the second week. It's about 30 people. And he said, God, God's doing something. He's the happy sower. He's just, this is, this is something I can do. I can, I can take my personality, my gift, my time, and I can, instead of just doing my life and what about my life and my future and me, me, I want to do something with these seeds. Because one of those high school kids gets changed. Who knows? That might be the next Apostle Paul. And generations are going to be changed. Because that one life was changed. This is what Jesus is inviting us to. You thought it was just to help? I had you sow that seed, plow that seed, because generations will eat from that garden. I, God sees the big picture. I want you to notice what our mission statement is. You go out our, this door and it's right there. It's got a skyline of Madison. Here's what, here's what our mission statement is as a church. Finding joy in Jesus Christ and sharing it. 
Hmm? That's, that's your whole goal for me? Yep, that's it. This is enough. Find joy in Jesus Christ. And then share it. So, how do you share it? Well, we, 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 several weeks ago, we did these boxes, <laughs> these shoe boxes that we loaded up and, 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 and we sent them off and we ran out of boxes because you guys were so, just took them and filled them and we, they went out and they went, go out into the third world. What are those? Seeds? Those are seeds that are going to the third world. And then in the last couple of weeks, we, we, we got 400 gifts for the Northport Packer and their sign up for the party today. And, and what, what are those gifts? Well, they are seeds. They're seeds of love. They're seeds that I'm sharing. What, what are you doing every week when you support City Church and, and, and you make it possible for me to preach and our staff to be full-time doing this? What are you doing? You're investing in seeds and we're on the internet and seeds are going out. Friday night, we, I got to be together with uh, Camella Nichols. C- Camella's been a missionary here. She's actually young, but she's, we've supported her. And uh, she just got back from an evangelism school down in Florida with Daniel Kalenda. And Daniel Kalenda is the heir of Reinhard Bonnke. Reinhard Bonnke, most successful evangelist of all time. 73 million converts just in Africa. And she went to this school for three, for, for three months and 88 students being trained how to do evangelism. And then the last three weeks, they went to Nigeria. Not the northern part where it's very, very dangerous right now, but the southern part where it's still mainly Muslim, but it's, it's, it's easier. And they broke into 22 teams of four, and they sent them out. Go out and preach the gospel everywhere. So they would set up on, in big cities and city streets. They would go to every school and ask if they could be given time. Most of them were Muslim schools, and they would sometimes be given 15 minutes. They always used exactly the amount of time that they were given. Kamala said the amazing thing was, every single place we went, Two things happened. One, there were always miracles. God was always touching in insane ways. And somebody always got saved in every single moment, whether it was just a random, spontaneous street meeting. Well, then the end of the three weeks was a, a, a rally with, with Daniel Kalenda. And over four days, 1.2 million Nigerians came to the crusade. Over... over there were over, over 220,000 recorded conversions. You can actually go online and see the crowds. It's, just, it's hard to even fathom. Here's my point. Guys, no matter how much is going on in our world with COVID and tornadoes and this horrible thing and this horrible thing, make no mistake about it. The word of God is spreading. God is spreading his word. And all you and I need to do is the next thing Jesus tells us to do. Right now, this share the joy thing is just love your neighbors. Find a way to love your neighbors. Make cookies for your neighbors. Do something for your neighbors. So uh, we've got this family next door. They've got two little girls. They're not that little anymore, but they're amazing. And I just, I just love these kids. And a couple of years ago, one of them was going to be in this drama downtown Sunday afternoon at the 
fine arts, whatever, one of the, the Union Theater, it's called. And it was very expensive, and it was the type of thing that I don't like going to. Well, for one thing, on Sunday afternoons, I like to watch the Packers. <laughs> but I said, you know what? I, I'm going to, this is how I love my neighbor. I'm going to go. And so this year she came over with an invitation. She has been cast as the main character. And she said, would you, would you guys come? It's next Sunday afternoon. And very expensive. Takes a lot of time. It's on Sunday afternoon during my nap. And I've already seen it. And it's, I, don't, I don't even like that kind of... But, but Alice assured her that, yes, both, both of us will be there. <laughs> and last night, we had a, a small group of young adults over praying, and there's a bang on the door. And we go to the door, and it's the, the two girls next door, and they've got the whole cast. Not the whole cast, but several young ladies from the cast. And they sang jingle bells to us. So what does it mean to plant a seed? Well, sometimes it just means going and watching somebody's program. Sometimes it means making cookies. Sometimes it means inviting them to the Christmas Eve service. Sometimes it means praying for somebody. Sometimes it means um, being willing to share Jesus directly. I mean, you're, you're sharing. When you love them, you are sharing Jesus. But sometimes you have to actually use the words. And... This is what God is calling all of us to do, all of us to be.